so we're still sticking with kind of the verses that we've been talking about the last couple days. So James 4, um, mostly just 1 and 2 this morning. Um, one of the great things about James is that he really encourages action with, like, not just knowing stuff, but then you have to do something with it. And so, um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about ways to put things into practice. So the first um, verses 1 and 2, you can see on the on the screen here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And so the question that we thought we would kind of focus on this morning is like, what, what if we have quarrels and fights in our lives? And how do we, what do we do with that? Um, if you're not seeing eye to eye with someone, how do we live this out? Um, and so, yeah, we thought we would walk through a couple of components of that this morning. And there are lots of um, references in the Bible to anger, because that's kind of where it starts. And so in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 26, it says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so there's a few, I mean, there's lots. We could probably talk for, speak for a whole week on just this idea. But the idea is that anger itself is not sin, right? Like, do not sin in your anger. Like, we're going to get angry. And there are going to be quarrels and fights because we're human. And we're always going to battle, um, you know, things that we want and can't have and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, but what do we do yeah, what do we do with that? And what does that mean to not be angry when you go to sleep? Um, and that can come down to, the, it go, the, past, the verse goes on to say, do not let the devil get a foothold, which is also an interesting concept. But like in our anger, if we're holding on to these things, we're just ruminating, you know? We've all been there. Somebody said something to us or somebody did something to us and we just, Oh, we just like play it over and over in our mind and maybe it's like oh I should have said this or I should have done this or right like I know we've all been there um, so that's kind of what this is about but when, but when we allow that to happen that's when the trouble comes and that's where sin can kind of um, get a hold with anger yeah, and so this takes a lot of wisdom. Going back to our conversation earlier this week of, of worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, and worldly wisdom would say, yeah, ruminate and pay back and make fun of and um, do the things um, to kind of get back at the person who, would, who hurt you or who made you angry. Um, but godly wisdom would say, actually, that's not productive and that's not going to lead anywhere good. And so if we look in the book of Proverbs, which has a lot to say about anger as well, actually. It says, mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. So instead of stirring up the anger and making it worse, which we can be good at. Like, anyone have a sibling? <laughs> Are we good at that with our siblings? You know their pressure points. You know how to needle them. You know how to get them riled up. That actually is not helpful, and that's not wise. And so wise people learn how to diffuse the anger and, um, and to calm the situation down rather than stir it up and make it even worse. So there's a ton of great resources and just kind of recently I was, had come across one in particular. And so this picture is so helpful. And I've 
one of the things that I've learned over time is that like very rarely, not that it's impossible, because sometimes anger is just anger, but oftentimes anger is actually something else. And so anger is safer to express than some of these under the water, if you think of it as an iceberg, right? Um, and in a lot of families, anger is acceptable, a lot of places just in the world, right? Like to be angry is, is okay, but you wouldn't really want to be like some of those other ones, you know? And so if you think back to the last time that you responded in anger or felt really angry, maybe there was something else kind of underneath. Like I know for me, if I'm embarrassed, it's way easier to respond in anger than to admit, hey, that actually was really embarrassing or triggered some kind of shame response in me. Um, oftentimes it's because I'm hungry, really. <laughs> and my family will attest to that. Um, and maybe my coworkers as well. True. So, <laughs> um, But it is interesting. And I think that that goes back um, to what we uh, talked about, right? Like. James was right on the money with this. He's like, where does the fighting and the quarreling come from? It's all these things that are going on underneath the surface. You want something, you don't get it, right? So jealousy, contempt, like, so he, it's, yeah, sometimes we can look at these things and think, oh, this is just like psychology or self-help or whatever, but you're like, actually, there's a lot of biblical wisdom because that's kind of where a lot of the, the stuff comes from, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so once you have identified, oh, actually I feel some anger, then what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you respond? How do you calm down? What are some things that help you guys when you are angry? Does anyone have? That's a for real question. That's like, yeah, I want you to give me an answer. Yeah. Be alone in your room, play some music. Get yourself away from the situation, maybe calm down, yeah. You bother your siblings, <laughs> you stir it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, as a way of like, at least I'm getting this out. Yeah? You read a book. Distraction, I'm in another world. I'm not thinking about the world I'm in right now. Yeah? Give yourself other things to do to get your mind off it. Be productive in another way, yeah. Sleep, yeah, sometimes sleep can really help. Totally, anyone else? You guys have some good thoughts, yeah? Exercise, that's actually one of the points that I was gonna make, so fantastic, because when you exercise, it is a way of like releasing all of those things that you're feeling, and it gives you brain chemicals that make you feel happy. <laughs> so it's like a win-win of getting that emotion out, and your brain is producing stuff to make you feel better. Um, yeah, let's look at a few other ones. You already named exercise, and you already kind of named taking a time out of like, I need to leave this situation for a minute and calm down. And maybe that requires a quick conversation. Hey, I understand that we need to revisit this conversation, but it's not gonna be productive if we do it right now because my emotions are really heightened. I need to take a step back for a minute. Um, and that could be more productive because problems aren't usually solved when people are still angry. Um, and so, yeah, recognizing your anger early. So trying to catch it before it gets full blown. So notice if your body is feeling hot or if your like, fists are starting to clench, or if you're starting to shake, or you just feel it rising in you. Do you know that feeling? It's different in everyone's body, but you recognize, oh, this is anger coming on. Um, so try to preemptively make some choices before it gets full blown. 
Um, one really simple technique is just deep breathing. And I know you're like, yeah, I breathe all the time, I'm alive. I know how to breathe. But when you slow it down and you, and you actually count, so you breathe in and you count to four and then you hold it for four seconds and then you breathe out for four seconds and your brain is focused on the numbers, on counting, on keeping it slow, um, it, when you regulate your breathing, it slows everything down in your system, but also your thoughts aren't racing with other things because you're only thinking about counting, which is really, really simple, and it slows down your thoughts. So that is a really simple, practical strategy to calm down in a moment. Um, because if someone's like, calm down, that just amps you up more, <laughs> or at least it does for me. Um, but yeah, to, to regulate your own breathing in that way is helpful exercise, like we already said. And even expressing your anger. And so this would be a once you've calmed down kind of a thing, not in the heat of the moment kind of a thing. Um, but it is important to express your frustration and say, here's why I was angry. Here's the thing that you did that really hurt me, or here's what I'm responding to, and be able to um, a little bit more calmly and rationally um, express your anger and, and the legitimate reasons why you were feeling that way. Um, and it's also helpful, um, again, this is why we try to recognize our anger early, is to think of the consequences. Okay, if I follow through on what my anger is telling me to do and behave right now, is that gonna be helpful or is that actually gonna be worse in the long run? Am I gonna um, have some mess to clean up um, because of that? Is, is arguing going to convince the other person that I'm right? Um, am I gonna be happier after we have a fight over this thing or is it actually detrimental? Um, and then the last suggestion is visualization, um, which can be just a technique for calming yourself down. So maybe you want to just imagine a peaceful scenario. Maybe you like to go for a hike by a stream in town and so you picture yourself being there and you hear the birds and you feel the breeze and you're just listening to the rippling water. Or maybe you're like, I want to go to a beach and I want the sun on me and I want to hear the crashing waves. Or maybe you're like, I want to hike in a mountain. Whatever it is that feels calm and peaceful to you that is away from the situation that is making you angry and you and you picture that with all five senses, with all the details, that can help to calm you down in the midst of a, a heated moment. Right, so anger, what you're doing to like slow things down, that part is past, and then what do we do? Um, one of the things that there's so often, so often things in life where you're like, well, the Bible doesn't actually talk directly to that. Um, but there are a lot of things that the Bible does, and this is one of them. So the one thing that always, the first thing when situations of conflict come up, it's like, go to that person. Like, no matter who it is that comes to me that's like, ah, like, you know, raging about something, once, you know, kind of the venting part is passed, it's like, have you talked to that person? Because that is the first thing. Don't go to your friends, and it's so tempting, right? Because we want to like gather our allies and have us versus them, and you want people to reassure you, yeah, you're right, you should be angry, that was terrible. Like, don't, don't do that. Jesus is like, go to that person and try to figure things out. That's always the first step. And I know, like, especially high school context, it can be, that's just, you're, we're almost wired to do that um, and, you know, kind of act on that. And 
sorry, maybe this is a complete overgeneralization, but like for sure girls more than boys. So totally acknowledge that. <laughs> I know there's some giggling in the back row, especially there. But <laughs> um, yeah, because we like to do things in community and even this part of life happens like that, but don't do that. And then if that doesn't work, if you have, you're like, yep, I have, and they don't, and like it's not working, call in somebody who's a little older, a little wiser, maybe a godly person to be like, I need your help to try to figure this out. But again, don't go to friends, don't create sides, and it's not survival. Try to choose someone neutral. Neutral. Who is like distant yes. from the situation. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, right, so that's the first thing. And then apologies. So apologies are so hard. I know that. I st still struggle with that. And part of it's just because, as again, we've been talking about in James, it, it takes humility, right, to say you're sorry, to admit that you've done something wrong. If it is, in fact, you who have done the things wrong. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what a good apology is, but we have a couple examples of what apology is not. <laughs> I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. can't talk about apology with it. Yeah. <laughs> and John, I think, is yeah. going to come up and tell a, tell a story. Example. <laughs> it is tough to follow. We should let you go first, maybe. Uh, a few years back, you know Mrs. Telford, secretary in the office? So she called me up on my phone and said, hey, your car just got, like, ketchup bombed, like, completely covered in ketchup. So I was like, wow, okay, so my first thought is, who did I upset, like who did I make really mad that they wanted to do that? So I went out and sure enough, the little ketchup packets completely covered the, the whole car. So couldn't figure out what happened, had to clean it off because ketchup's really bad for the paint. And uh, a couple days later, I got a letter, like a note, an apology note. And what had happened is some Eden students mixed it up with some students from another school at the Wendy's, got into a bit of an altercation. And I guess a student from the other school decided to catch up who they thought was a, another Eden student's car, right? So I got this note and it just said, hey man, sorry I catch up your car. I didn't know it was yours. And that was it. <laughs> Not sorry that I did it. I wish it would have been the other people, but sorry that I mistook your car for someone else's. <laughs> Also not a great apology. <laughs> yeah. So what does an actual apology entail? Because we've all, you know, like you have a situation and someone's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And you're like, yeah, are you really sorry? Like, you know when it's not real. And you also know, again, probably back to siblings, when you're giving an apology and you don't really mean it. It's like your mom told you, go say sorry to your brother, right? And so you do that. Um, but the first thing in a real apology that is so important is really just to reflect. Think about what, what led to this problem, what led to the situation. And even if you feel like you had very little to do with it, that the other person really is like 99% at fault, there's, there are always two people, right? So even if it's the smallest amount, to be honest about like maybe what you said or did that could have led to kind of the situation is always good because it brings us back again to like more of a humble position to be to to recognize um yeah what actions we did 
to contribute to it. And again, it's, it's, I mean, it's easy, back to the iceberg, the anger iceberg. Like we know in ourselves what provokes that anger, like what the real feeling is if we take a minute. And so even to try to do that with the other person, like what did I, what emotion, what did I bring up in them that caused them to react with anger? Because if we're, if we're willing to kind of put ourselves in the other person's shoes for a minute and be like, that was maybe embarrassing for them or, Obviously, I hit like a very sensitive spot or nerve that brought an anger was the safest response. And so let's talk about that instead of how offended and how hurt I was by what happened. Yeah, good reflection. And then when it's time to like own your part of it, um, you, you take responsibility and you're like, yeah, even if they did a majority of things, you don't own their part, but you own what you contributed to that situation. And that's not, um, oh, making an excuse, like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just hungry, or I was tired, or you made me mad. Um, it's owning your part and saying, I'm sorry for this specific thing, or it was wrong for me to this specific thing to say this. Um, and so you apologize specifically, um, I shouldn't have done this. I take responsibility for this. So you're, you're showing them that you own your part of what happened. You know, this was my fault about this particular aspect of it um, without making excuses. And then listening, which is also the hard part. Like, just to listen to the other person, allow them a little bit of space to explain where they were coming from or how they felt or what happened without interjecting. Even if you're like, I don't believe a word you're saying, or that was totally wrong, <laughs> like whatever that can kind of bring up with us to allow the other person to share. Um, it just, it's, a, it's about respect, right? Like if you care about this person and you value the relationship, taking those couple minutes to let them share from their perspective um, can also help to kind of lower the situation and bring things back to a good place. Yeah. And once apologies have been made, and hopefully it's from both sides at that point, everyone's able to own their part of it, um, but that doesn't always happen. But then comes forgiveness, and so we're called to forgive, and that doesn't mean um, letting someone off without any consequences, like that can still happen, but it means I'm choosing to let go of my resentment, and I'm choosing to treat the person who hurt me, I'm choosing to treat them with compassion. And so um, it's, it's a decision that you're saying, I am not gonna let the pain that was caused by this other person um, take control of me. I'm not letting it, um, yeah, I'm not letting it hold on to my life. And so we, we release that resentment, that anger, that shame, um, even if it was an injustice against us. Um, and even though those reactions are reasonable and it's okay to feel those things, we're choosing not to hold that against someone else and we treat that person with compassion even though they don't deserve it. Yeah, one kind of like idea or like I don't know, understanding of forgiveness that I heard a while ago and really found helpful is like holding on to a grudge against someone else is like taking drinking poison hoping to hurt the other person, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. And forgiveness, unforgiveness is kind of the same because you're not, the other person is not experiencing you with the feelings that are involved in holding on to that grudge. Like the other person is living their life. And so forgiveness is not about the other person, but like Megan said, forgiveness is about you and not letting it shape you and have power over you. Um, what forgiveness is not is like in extreme situations, like it's not saying you wouldn't 
take legal action if it was that level of offense or injustice. Like, it doesn't mean that, those, that the person doesn't have to take responsibility or feel the consequences of their actions. Um, it's not forgetting. Like, oftentimes we can kind of partner forgiveness, forgive and forget together, and that's, I mean, it's nearly impossible. And so to hold that as an expectation is, is unreasonable. And it doesn't mean that you have to still be in a, in a relationship with that person, even. It, the other person may not ever even know that you forgave them. That feels weird, because forgiveness, that's not how forgiveness actually works. In reality, forgiveness is you letting go of the power that that person person's actions has on you and so yeah anyway it's a lot longer conversation but it's so important mm -hmm. yeah and so um, one of Jesus's disciples Peter asked Jesus like how many times do I have to forgive my brother if he sins against me like seven times and he's like this is a lot of times if he does the same thing and Jesus is like not seven times but 77 times like and that's not a literal keep count until you're done that's like a don't even keep track of it. You need to have radical forgiveness and radical compassion on people when they hurt you. And that's not, um, that, that's not an insensitive thing. That's like following Jesus' own example of the radical forgiveness that God offers us over and over and over again. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I have sinned against God more than 77 times. And I'm really grateful that he still continues to forgive me. And so that's the attitude that Jesus wants us to have that he himself modeled for us. Again, though, that doesn't mean you keep putting yourself in a position for right. someone to hurt you over and over. Like, that's yes. a different conversation. You may need to set boundaries yeah. um, to protect yourself. Yes. Good. Good point. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, but yes, that we are supposed to uh, walk in forgiveness with each other. So... Today, let's consider our anger and kind of where it comes from in us and become more aware of those root causes in our own lives so that we can learn to deal with it in some healthier ways. And let's choose to own our part in conflicts that went and, and take responsibility for our actions or our words or the ways that we've hurt others and, and learn to give real good apologies and let's practice forgiveness because we certainly want to receive forgiveness and we want people to consider our perspective and be compassionate towards us. So let's work on that with each other as well. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who uh, is so compassionate and who offers forgiveness. That Jesus, as you were dying on the cross, you prayed for forgiveness for the people who had put you there. And that kind of radical compassion and radical forgiveness is really mind-boggling for us, um, but we want to be more like you. So help us in our relationships, in our um, our little conflicts, and in in our big conflicts. God, would we um, submit ourselves to be more like you and to walk humbly and full of compassion and and um, use wisdom that comes from you to navigate these relationships in a healthy way. Um, God, as we go about our day today and we look forward to Flyer Fest this afternoon, we pray. Um, for fun and for safety, and um, that it would just be a really awesome day. We thank you for it. Amen. One quick announcement before you go. Grave retreats, please get your forms in next week um, or as soon as you can, and we're really looking forward to that in the fall.